Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello everyone, my name is Rebecca Kelly and you're listening to the Everywhere We Go podcast. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Brandon and Aaron. At just 18 and 16 years of age, these guys are real life heroes, earth angels, and if I were their mother, I would be extremely proud. At just 16 years of age, it was a transition year project that found Brandon and a friend organise a sleep out in Donamid to help families dealing with homelessness. Born from his own acquaintances with homelessness, Brandon set up Dublin Homeless Awareness. You have to forgive me for constantly mentioning their age, but the fact is that these kids are doing more for rough sleepers of Dublin than our own government. They are extremely respectful of their service users, but from experience take no nonsense. They are selfless, brave and dedicated. This podcast has been the most eye-opening of all. It is very easy for us not to look outside our bubble. This crisis is very real, so if you can help, please do. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? I'm Brandon and I come from Donamid. I'm Aaron and I come from Drimna. Hi lads. All right. Brandon, you are the founder of? Dublin Homes Awareness. So it's a group of 16 to 25 year olds that help the homeless and highlight the homeless issue in the Dublin area. Uh, we have 26 volunteers at the moment and eight of them are first responders. So they're trained medically. So there's two teams. Um, there's a street team and there's a response team and there's a psycho response team as well. So the response team would book people into hostels. And if they're not booking people into hostels, they'll be dealing with like medically instance, like around the GPO and O'Connell Street and stuff. So they had, they wear tactical vests with all their medical equipment in it. And if they need to get to that, then they can use the equipment that, um, is all donated to us. The street team are kind of a relief team. So they'll hand out um, essential supplies like hygiene packs and food and cups of tea and coffee to people sleeping rough and they'll hand out sleeping bags as well. So them two teams kind of work differently, but they work together. Like So the the relief team, the street team would do laps of the city centre handing out stuff and then the response team would back that team up if, if they came across anything like anyone that wants to go in somewhere or a medical incident and stuff like that. And then tell me, where's Aaron, where do you play your role in this? I'm in the response team along with Brandon. Yeah. So I just, we just, as he said, go around, help people, um, booking them to hostels. Like yesterday we were out, just the two of us booking people into hostels, our hostels and stuff. Got a few in. We work with, um, Dublin Southern Community. We have their number and stuff. So we get them out to, uh, 
to try sort something out for them but if we come across anything um then uh, someone needs to be medically treated we uh, have to we're able to do that where did it start started two years ago right uh one of me and one of my mates started uh sleep out in Donamid. Um, she's not doing it anymore. She dropped out from doing it, so it's only me. Um, but we decided to sleep out. Um, it was part of just a project in transition year. Right. And basically just, it just kicked off from there. The amount of attention that I got in Donamade, because there's, I know there's four, there was four people sleeping rough in Donamade when we done it. So it got a huge amount of attention, like from politicians and stuff. So we said, we're, we'll keep going. And we done a bag pack then. Um, at Christmas so the money out of that then we done a Christmas party for the the hubs in Kewlock the family hubs we done a Christmas party with um, North Dublin Bay Housing so we were able to to provide a Christmas party for them and then just went on from there and um, the whole kind of response team aspect of it came um, about four months ago when we got funding from um, doing a hike for homelessness so the funding from that set up the response team um, it was just kind of a trial setting up the response team how would it go obviously there was bumps in the road with different things and stuff like that so but we're take going. me back on that like so you're sitting down you're doing the sleep eggs right yeah. and then after that you go right I could really help people mm. and then how do you start planning like how do you start planning to get that response team the response team just kind of came out of nowhere like I, I, I trained in um, St. John's Ambulance in order of Malta when I was younger so um, kind of coming when we were, we kind of done, we were it's only street teams starting off we were coming across people that weren't booked into hostels and we couldn't do anything for them other than say you have to ring Dumb City Council and the, the times that we're going out at like they, they couldn't get through obviously and we said we could set up something that could actually kind of help people the the whole kind of people were doing different things and transition year like for projects but I kind of picked that one because my mother was always homeless when I was younger uh, sofa surfing and stuff and she went through addiction as well so I kind of came from a background of addiction and homelessness in the family so I kind of picked that one and because I was passionate about it I just went and just kept going like uh, there wasn't really it kind of just went with the flow like everything just kind of panned out you know we didn't we didn't really plan it just kind of came out like people offering different stuff to us and then it went from there like and then two years on, then you've got 25, you said. 26 volunteers 26 at the moment. Volunteers. And then the majority of them are are between 16 and 18. So it's a kind of youth organization to get people into um, the homeless issue. Like, and like there's 26 volunteers at the moment. And I think there's 200 people on a waiting list to get in. So, Oh, really? Yeah. And come here, tell me this, Aaron, just you being 16. Like if my Amelia came down to me and says, Mom, I want to get out and walk the streets, wait, I'd, I'd have apprehension about it. So like when do you sit down and have that conversation with your parents that you're going to do that? Um, well, my, uh, my mom works in a food bank, so she has like links with other homeless groups and stuff. So she knows what kind of like goes on and stuff. And um, before I was in this one, I'd done a different one. So I knew, I knew what was uh, around um, but then my mom was alright with it because she doesn't really mind. She'd rather maybe out helping people with group than walking around the street like if there's trouble around her eighteen Jimmy like. Yeah. So she just rather me being in with the homeless group and stuff helping out. 
what is a typical night like? Um, so the night we go, we'd have to kind of try arrange foods. So it's a struggle at the moment. With COVID, it wasn't. Everyone would donate food, but it's a, a struggle at the moment to get food in. So we'd look at who's donating and we'll meet them in the city centre early. And we'll set up the two trolleys. So we have two trolleys, two resp- uh, street teams tonight, response team tonight. So we'll set up all the food in the trolleys and... And the response team will check their kit and they check their radios, check everything that they need for the night, basically. And then they head off from seven till about half eleven. And then we wouldn't say it as a typical night, like it's changes every night, like, but it's the same faces that we're seeing, like it's not new people. And um, obviously the last couple of months, it's been a few new people now from COVID and kind of a lot of people, the misconception behind homelessness is that you have um, alcoholism or drug addiction, but it's not. You'll go onto the streets, the homeless person will go onto the streets for mental health issues or um, financial issues, and then they'll pick up addiction on the street because they realize, you know what, this buzz is going to get me through the day. So they'll, they'll take drugs every day and then they'll get addicted or they'll have a few drinks and they realize that kind of takes the pain away. So I'll have a few drinks every day and it'll be okay. But then they get addicted and then they're into addiction or alcoholism and then that leads to so many other problems then when they run out of money they're going into crime they're committing committing criminal offences to to get up money to, for their bulls or for their next fix so and you said there off um, off mic that Kulak um, everyone knows I'm from Kulak um, that it is a big problem around and I would never have thought that there would be homeless people in Kulak like, yeah. I would have thought there was a small bit pockets mm. of it but not yeah. So when we first started, mainly at the moment, it's rough sleepers because that's kind of the, the bottom of the list. But uh, me and my mate Rebecca, when we started, it wasn't about rough sleepers at all. It was about families in Kulak. So um, that's hopefully something that I'm looking to go back to. Um, but COVID, obviously, at the moment, um, we've no time with rough sleepers. So we're hoping to go back to families because if you go into Darnell, the amount of people that you go into and they don't have field or you don't have electricity in the house and they're just sitting there with a telling sofa is unbelievable so and um, we kind of want to go back to that family thing as well hopefully during the year but we're kind of very busy with rough sleepers and instance at the moment so yeah is that a big problem families like around yeah huge problem huge problem um like if you go to the i don't know if you've ever seen the gpo the super one at the, the yeah, gpo yeah yeah um like Half of them aren't actually sleeping on the streets. Half of them are coming in from Kulak, Tala, Fingless, getting their food and then going back to their house. So that's what kind of people say, like they're all they're on the streets. But if you look at that, there's there's more kids than, than adults there, like on a night. Like uh, we'll go in now and we'll we'll hang around the GPO now if anyone needs uh, our assistance. And then after nine o'clock, when that finishes up, we'll do the regular patrols uh, up Henry Street and down the canals and stuff to see if people want to be booked in. A lot of people don't want to be booked in uh, because um, you're not going into a room on your own. You're going into a room with four or five people. And some of the hostels, you, you couldn't even yawn. You're that close to each other. Like, so, um, like for instance, we're helping a fella tonight now and he, he won't go into hostels because his phone got robbed and he got beaten up. So we're going to try to get him into a hostel that's kind of not, not that bad, like not mm. that kind of safe. So we're going to try that tonight. And if he's any problems, then he can ring us and we'll sort that because there are kind of is, it sounds terrible, but if a service user goes to, to that hostel and says, oh, I have a problem, uh, they won't sort it. They won't sorry, but if 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 I come from an organisation and say I have someone booked in there and they're having problems, they kind of 
the hostel will kind of, they'll think about it more because there's an organization coming to them and there's someone confronting them from an organization. And they know that if they do anything wrong, that we'll publicize it and we'll expose them for, for not helping that service user. Cause they'll kind of look at that service user and say, no one's going to believe them, you know, cause they have addiction issues or they have mental health issues. But if someone comes to an organization, then it helps a lot. Like, so that's what we're trying to do at the moment is trying to, trying to get onto the hostels and say, there is people having problems in there, you know, and hopefully they uh, understand. Why do people think that all homeless people are alcoholics? Like, what's the misconception with it? Because if you're walking through the city centre, like, everyone's holding cans when they're sleeping bags and mm. everyone's smoking crack in corners. And, you know, so obviously just seeing the the kind of the people that are, are like, drinking and stuff like that but if you think about it like the the market for drugs isn't there anymore like um the market for drugs is people that are solicitors that are going out on nights out no taking cocaine it's not the it's not the um i hate to use the word but it's not the what everyone says the junkie that's ravaged in the corner it's the people that are going out buying cocaine on the weekends that are that's the market for drugs there like the market for that's a very small percentage to the homeless people buying drugs in the city center you know like and they'll all meet at the one spot like even last night in the water walk there was about 30 and waiting just to get there they're um they're fixed and i've only found out a couple of months ago um the thing they call rock so it's crack and um, that's a five second buzz they guess so they'll pay 25 euro for a five second buzz so it's unbelievable like i thought that would last for the whole day but then they they want that buzz constantly so they have to keep and then obviously the frustration will get there now during the lockdown because there's no one around to give them money so they'll, they'll go into shops and rob stuff like steaks and stuff and sell them on uh for cheap so they'll get money over so it's crazy. Obviously, the crime rates are going up in the city centre because there's not many people to, to give money uh, out to people. And obviously, there's not many homeless people in, in the city centre at the moment because there's no one in there. Because mm. they won't, like, why would you sit outside a shop on O'Connell Street when there's two people walking past every five minutes, you know? Yeah. Like, at Christmas, um, we were we were very busy because, obviously, everyone drinking in the city centre was giving them money. So there was, there was a huge amount and obviously more money, more drugs, and then more drugs, more overdoses. So obviously the response team is very busy then dealing with, um, overdoses and people collapsing and stuff and like that. You know, so. And Aaron, how do you deal with that? Like what's the worst thing you've seen on the streets? Um, it was probably that time when someone was, uh, going to jump into the Livy. Oh yeah. You got that yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. So. And how do you deal with that? Um, when we got there, we weren't uh, there for us. There was uh, the guards and the fire brigade were there, but we went up just to back them up and stuff because yeah. we usually know who it is and stuff. And we've worked with them before, like so. Like, um, if you think about it, like, uh, if someone has mental health issues, they'll not, like, when we go into city centre, they'll say, hey, Aaron, hey, Brandon, like, they know us by name. So if, if some guard comes up to them and is like, calm down, they're not going to calm down. But if they know us, they see us day in, day out it kind of helps and that's where the guards kind of back us up most of the time and it do, we work well with Dublin Fire Brigade as well and um, obviously uh, when we they come out to call outs and help us out with stuff so I've seen someone light, lighting the uh, tents on fire with homeless people in it I've seen a video that actually that was um, I'm not too sure how they went on fire but obviously everyone kind of jumps to the conclusion that yeah. they were set on fire like we had to do a thing we do two things we call it operation so operation park watch is to go to different parks mm-hmm. and uh, locate homeless people and report back to the Dublin Simon community and obviously 
give them essential uh, items if they need them. And then we do a thing called Operation Safeguards. So we'll do that around times of the city centre where the city centre is going to be busy. So we done it around Halloween, obviously, because the huge amount of fireworks being put in sleeping bags and homeless people getting attacked. So we had volunteers out 12 hours a day. Uh, swapping shifts so basically the volunteers were absolutely uh, they were amazing for that like they they really put in uh, hours to to get that done so hopefully if uh, we, we'll be doing Operation Safeguard again if restrictions are lifted and um, because obviously everyone's been the city centre drinking and that's obviously people don't know what they're doing when they're drinking sometimes so they'll attack homeless people and stuff like that like there's still people getting attacked in the city centre but there's no need for Operation Safeguard because there's not a, a huge amount of cases of people getting attacked but obviously around Halloween New Year's Eve stuff like that to be to be people getting attacked so that's to keep them safe and if they kind of if if um even if the teenagers see us in town like they know Aaron and they know me so they kind of will say like there's Aaron and there's Brandon and there's the team like we won't mm. we won't touch off the homeless people but if we're not around then they'll they'll, they'll you know to be fair some of them most of them come up and ask us about what we do and stuff and they're like mad interested about and stuff so I think it's helping in that aspect that like us being out in the street and uh, they're seeing what we're doing it's kind of making them realise more like there's more to it than just someone stumbling down the road or something there's like they're going through stuff and I think they understand that more and they kind of just want to know what we do more and how to help them and stuff like that. God, was a Saturday night. It was absolutely Baltic out. Like, how, what is your motivation to kind of keep going every night? Um, it'll be different kind of things. Like, um, I'm very kind I've been doing it four years now. So, um, I've been kind of working with different organizations and the, the organization was set up two years ago. So I've been working a while. So I kind of, the motivation to keep going would be that if you, when you actually help someone and they're booked in and they, they appreciate it that much. Or if we get, um, someone that has mental health issues and we kind of get them to a doctor or get them seen, like you kind of see a good outcome, but it's kind of, it is kind of, um, very hard for the new volunteers when they do come in like we have four new volunteers starting tonight and they'll kind of say they'll see homeless people assaulting each other and stuff and they'll say like to, to, like is there any good in the world like you know like so but you will see good things as ups and downs like um the street team is obviously very close but the, the response team has to be very close because like the things that they deal with they deal with each other and like i've had i've had a few volunteers assaulted oh, over really? the last couple of months so um and they've still put on the vest and gone back in. Like it's the motivation to kind of that there is good people out there and you know, there is genuine people out there. They're not all um assaulting you. And if they do assault you, they kind of it's for a reason, you know, they're obviously not in the right state of mind or stuff like that. Like we had a, a girl a couple of months ago and she was trying to jump in the liffy, she was pregnant and she bit one of the volunteers she kicked one of the volunteers and then she kicked um one of the new volunteers in the face but obviously you know she wasn't in the right state of mind so that's that's where kind of it's not like i've i haven't really had volunteers come back and say this is too this is too difficult for me but obviously we have counseling in place because obviously there is young people going out and they're seeing all this stuff at a very young age so there is counseling there and available even during covid um for the volunteers if they need it because uh, I know the, the response team would see a lot of uh, kind of bad stuff you know we haven't came across um, anyone deceased or anything yet but um, but if we do like there is a plan in place there to, to protect the volunteers you know and if you're at to be working with someone for so long and you think oh god they're getting him homed or housed somewhere or he looks great he's doing well and then you see him 
six months down the road back on the streets like does that happen as well yeah or? it happens a lot doesn't it yeah it happens a lot like um like there'll be there'll be 200 people sleeping rough around the city center and 10 of them have ran homeless organizations really yeah um and i think the problem there is they're recovering drug addicts and they're they're trying to do good and our organization doesn't take any kind of um, funding like cash wise. We always look for items or some of the organizations would look for donations. And there's a high influx of cash coming in and they're recovering drug addicts. So, and obviously they're in the city center around other drug addicts. So they kind of just, it's very easy to relapse, you know, and then. Um, just it's very difficult for them and then the whole organization will fall apart obviously because they they've relapsed and um i know there's a couple of couple of organizations out there i'm not going to name them yeah. but the volunteers have kept going or even though the, the founder or the ceo decided would has relapsed you know they've kept going because like everything's built up why would you let it kind of drop you know so and do they like fill it, fill it with like empty promises? Like, and, oh, I'm going to get clean. I'm going to get it. I'm going to be back out, which isn't all that. Or are they completely lost? Completely lost, kind of. Yeah, completely lost. Um, um, like it, even we um we'd see someone do so well, and we'd say, uh, "Oh, Thomas, you're drinking again." And he'd mm-hmm. say, "Oh, I just had to. I had to, Aaron. I had to, Brandon. You know, because today this happened." And then they give you a story of why they had to drink and then you'd see them the next week and you'd say, Ty said you're going to stop drinking and then they'd tell you a different story. And uh, sometimes you don't know where to, you, ha- you kind of have, you, we have to check up on things, you know, because some of it is kind of, we had a fella come up to us the other day and said, oh, I have COVID symptoms. Did that mean you just have to get me a hotel? And we're like, you know what? Like, yeah. And we did have a remaining couple that night, I remember. Yeah. Um, they ca- they only came into the country, but they obviously will get beds because um, they have to self-isolate for two weeks. So we rang the Simon and uh, they got them isolating beds. But obviously when they found out there were a couple, when they found out they were going to be in separate rooms, they just walked off and didn't want their help. And if someone doesn't want their help, we can't push it. You know, if you don't want their help, they don't want their help. And the kind of, the thing with the GPO and what also I kind of think is, is much safer and better is uh, the GPO is static. Like that's a super one. Like they have a table set up something kicks off you can't get out of that situation very quick if we walk around so we're walking out reach him something kicks off we can just walk off mm. you know and obviously we have the the guards there if we got onto the guards and said yeah it's still home it's awareness they'll come out quick enough like uh to back us up you know so and have you got into a brawl like have you got into um a couple yeah a couple um but it only kind of be pushing and shoving matches it wasn't really a mm. really a fight you know but it kind of be um, to protect ourselves or to protect someone else, you know, we'd, we'd have to kind of um, defend ourselves. We Some of the volunteers have done self-defense, but it's very hard, like, because I'd love to, to get the volunteers to do addiction courses, to do self-defense, to do uh, alcoholism, to do about needles, you know, but you can't because it's COVID, you know, there's, there's so many courses available there and that the volunteers are willing to pay for. You know, like we, I've had volunteers come in and they've been there two weeks and they've been paying three, four hundred euro for a first responder course just to, you know, because they're, they're so dedicated into doing what they do, what they do, you know, so. And is that, is that not funded? Like me as, I just think that it, that'd be funded. Do you know what I mean? Those first aid courses, all of that no. just funded. No, no. Like the radios that we've only got, they're, they're very good radio. So they, they literally, me and Aaron were talking to each other from Drimna to Donnelly the other day. <laughs> and, um, we got them sponsored to us for a year. Um, obviously that's a big, um, that's a big help to us because that's a safety issue. Like if we can't communicate with each other and something happens. Um, yeah, with the old ones, they didn't like from, was it like 
from from O'Connell Street to Grafton yeah. Street, you wouldn't really go that much. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So like, if one team was on, where uh, one side say one was on the other, and one was getting in trouble, like you wouldn't know unless someone rang, which is takes longer than talking over the radio. Like talking over. So like the. I actually I looked up when they got sponsored to the radios and they're like nine hundred euro a month of the package that we got. So um it's just obviously something very good like that wanted to sponsor radios, uh RSP security and um Ballymount um sponsor them to us and you just kinda of have to wait and see if what people kind of sponsor and stuff like um well, it is very hard during COVID, you know, and it is very hard when most of us don't drive to collect donations mm. and we have to arrange stuff. And yeah. So it's hard enough, like... Um, oh, yeah. I came in from my, my house after donations getting dropped off with uh, two bags over my shoulder full of clothes, like stumbling into the uh, the place where we keep them and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and then a lot of organisations aren't taking clothes at the moment because of COVID. Like, mm. um, like if you see the clothes banks, they're like stacked up, like, so... It's only not, new clothes they're allowed to take. New clothes, so... Yeah. We're like, if we if we done a fundraiser, we just go to pennies and buy a load of hats and stuff. But we can't do that anymore, you know. We have to ask people to buy clothes online and donate them. And but we're not taking clothes at the moment, um, because of two issues in the city centre. If you're handing out clothes, there'll be fights, really? um, over the clothes, yeah. um, because you know you were meant to give that to me and all this. Uh, there's sometimes fights over food, but it's not that bad. But clothes, it's just as fights over. And COVID, you don't know where the clothes are coming from, you know. Uh, we've had, like, used jocks and socks gave to us, like, so it's just people don't really think. They just give give their door, like, to us sometimes. But then some people are obviously very genuine and they'll go and they'll buy bags of clothes for us. Like, around Christmas um, is a busy time of year because, you know, everyone's donating. Mm. Uh, so we've got a lot of donations in there and we're kind of still working through them donations at the moment. But we are getting low on donations for food. Uh, at the moment we'll be looking for kind of perishable food so um, crisps chocolate bottles of water kind of not canned beans or mm. stuff like that and pot noodles and stuff pot noodles yeah, and stuff yeah um, so we'd be looking for stuff like that and if it was sandwiches or cakes or anything uh, we'd obviously ask them to bring it in that, that night so mm. they wouldn't kind of go off but um a lot of the kind of businesses have been helping us in the city centre, like the hotels have been giving us some sandwiches and uh, there's a few donut shops that have been giving us um, donuts and stuff. So it's kind of good with businesses, you know, and kind of uh, kind of do try to get the volunteers to go out during the day and go into the local businesses and appeal mm. for um, donations. But obviously with, with stuff like, uh, for example, Super Value or Dunn's or Tesco, they can't really give donations anymore because if someone gets sick, from something they gave then it's just mm. it, it can backlash on them so it's kind of very hard to get off business small businesses are kind of donating at the moment like you'd have to go to your head office and stuff for the big big companies you know um, that's what we're finding lately so because again like we can all live in our bubbles and I never really looked at that until probably about a year ago when I started seeing people in central begging mm. and the stuff that was carrying on over there and then we had one of the beggars out there and she was um, breaking into the houses here yeah. and and awful carry on was going on and then like, you know my girls wouldn't have known what homeless people were until she she was saying to me oh that girl ma'am have you got a fiver and give her and she's like I gave her a fiver last week and when I remember you gave me money to go to shop I gave her half of it and so she was kind of you know every time she saw my daughter going over she knew my daughter would give her a few bob. Mm. And then she got the people, she was doing that to a lot of kids and a lot to the elderly. So they, the guards were called and she was... Like, we, we kind of have to find where the new volunteers tonight will, uh, will definitely have a chat with them tonight. Is yeah. You can't be too good to people because they'll expect it from you. 
you know, and if you, if you hand out a bus fare because you feel sorry, like there is, it's very hard. Like if you, if you, if you, like if I'm in the city centre and I see someone that looks like my mother and that reminds me of what I went through when I was younger, you know, it's very hard to say like, well, we'll go the extra mile or we'll go above and beyond. You can't go above and beyond because they'll expect that from you every time. And that's why I've always told volunteers never hand out kind of money or anything like that because they'll always expect it from, you know, and they will, they'll say anything for you to give like you know my mother just died or I'm about to die or you know like we had a fella come up to us when was it two nights ago he said I'm having I'm having an asthma attack and uh, we <laughs> have said, a smoke or something have a smoke it? he says after <laughs> and we were like what you know so it's just it's just kind of there was a couple of years ago and a year ago I'd say about a year ago I'd say there was kind of uh, they thought they could uh, get into the hospitals to, to keep warm but the kind of that has stopped lately like uh they were trying to fake sickness and stuff like that. We'd know who was, uh, who was actually ill and who wasn't. Like there was a fellow one night and he was faking a, a seizure and he was gripping the side of the path, pulling himself in and out. <laughs> we're having a seizure. They don't have any hand grips. So we literally just seen that and we, we literally just got the garage from because if he's lying on the ground, we're just going to keep getting calls but we have to come back and keep checking on him, you know? Um, but kind of the worst that I've seen over the years is I'm not too sure if you've seen it or not is uh, the little boy Sam he's only five years old and he was eating his dinner um, off a piece of cardboard at Central Bank that was about a year ago that, that would have been the worst kind of uh, thing that I've seen is kids on the street yeah the government are saying that there's no one homeless on the streets because they're all in hotels. Like you hear from around because you know the way people are. We're all, we're great, but we're also, you know, we give out about people and say, oh, sure, she's only staying in the hotel for a year to get a, a three bedroom house. Like people don't do that though. They wouldn't put themselves through that. But but obviously like if you've, um, there's a procedure there to get to, to get a, a house, you know. So like uh, I had one of the volunteers and she was staying in a hostel and she was helping us as well. And she's 18. <laughs> Um, so like you have to, like there is a procedure there that you, you'd have to go to hostels or you have to go into emergency accommodation to get a house. You know, it's not just I'm kicked out. Um, where's my house? Like there is a procedure there. And obviously she was very lucky. She was in a hostel, um, with a lot of other girls her age. So, so she was kind of safe, like, but you don't know what hostel they're going to give you, you know, and we know a lot of the hostels like, um, which are bad and which are good so we we kind of say to the to the people sleeping rough we'll try to get you into this one but obviously there's only one hostel there tonight now and I think it'll be over for the next couple of weeks that's taking people and um, they're kind of very strict now so they kind of searched them going in and stuff um, so it's kind of safe enough but still you don't know who, who you're sleeping beside you know so and then tell me like how can people help you so you said that people if they see someone on the street they make a phone call so basically people would text the page on Instagram but I'd be asking people um, to ring their response phone team number so I have that up on the page and basically they're kind of the the response team phone I brought in because obviously I can't be looking at Instagram all night you know like I'm running around Mm -hmm. so if you ring the phone someone will answer and then we'll obviously radio each other for someone to go up and check on them and if they say they don't want to go into hostel, they like we can't do anything. But if they do, we'll contact Simon and they'll either tell us to ring the free phone or they will tell they'll come out and they'll try book them in to a hostel. But the free phone can only be accessed and uh, really kind of um during the night time, you know. Um but it is like sometimes you're on the phone ha- for half an hour, an hour. Sometimes you're on the phone for five minutes, you know, and then they'll say, like, you could be on the phone for an hour trying to get through to DCC. And then they'll say, um, oh, yeah, go to that hostel, but you're not booked in there. You have to collect the sleeping bag. 
you know, so they're waiting and they're hoping to get booked in. Like some, like when the, there's no pay phones in the city centre anymore. I don't know why. Um, but there used to be queues for the pay phone for people just to try to get booked in the hostels. But it is a very long kind of procedure. But if the response team kind of does it, they'll do it, you know. But um, we kind of get the street team to do it now is to ring hostels and stuff because the response team are the response team. Like they have to respond to if anything happened and if we're dealing with something, trying to get something to a hostel. And a medical incident kicks off, like we have to, we just have to drop that and we have to go, you know. And that's why the team is very close as well, because if someone gets assaulted, we all have each other's backs, you know. And um, it's much easier to do it when the team is kind of very tight and close, you know. And how do you get that closeness? Kind of just difficult times, you know, when seeing, seeing uh, difficult stuff with each other. And then obviously um, a few issues of come up like in the past about kind of uh, insurance and guards stopping us and we've had a few issues in the past where we've not we've understood it but there was very anger there when we when we got stopped by the guards one time about uh, carrying scissors in our medical uh, bags so they said that was offensive weapon so basically I'll show you now is we just got these seatbelt cores so they can't be used as an offensive weapon because as you can see the blade is in there yeah. so basically it's just working around things you know it's and it's not just saying oh the guard stopped us and said we can't carry scissors it's not like oh we shut down the organisation you keep going you know and like the volunteers obviously their job is to, to book people into the hostels and stuff like that but there's um, there's kind of three team leaders uh, in the in Dublin Homes where it's like R&B one of them for the response team and they kind of uh, they're they're, they're their priority is to keep the other volunteers safe as well. So, you know, because they'll have um, much more experience than than some of the volunteers. Like Aaron has a lot of experience. So I have a lot of experience and the other team leader has a lot of experience. So they, they know kind of what to, to lead, how to lead the other volunteers in the right direction, you know. You're 16 and I know you've seen it from your mom and fair play to her, but like you're still 16. Yeah, I've done a lot for 16 though, I guess, like especially. I, and that would kind Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Maybe the issue with the guards is, oh, you have juveniles out on the street and stuff, but if their parents give them consent, um, yeah. it will. Sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's not. Like, sometimes I have mothers and fathers ringing me and saying, oh, will he be all right? You know, and... Yeah. Um, Honestly, has, you, has your man ever rang and said, is he all right? No, no, my man, like, my man kind of knows, like, it's only me and my man, the house has always ever been, so we're, me and my man are very close, like, so, like, we, we tell each other everything, kind of, like, we'd be open, there wouldn't be anything kept a secret, like, so, I think she's just very, she's all right, like, she knows I'm independent. I think she rang last night, now we were out late enough, we're out to one in the morning oh, last yeah, night, yeah, so. No, she, yeah, that's just because she wants to go to bed. <laughs> she doesn't go to bed without you. Uh, no, it depends, but, um... Yeah, but I think it's just what I've done for like my age. I think she's um just realised that like I'm alright like going in doing that, having that responsibility. Like just because the responsibility that you have as a sixteen year old for other team members as well. Yeah, yeah. Um. I guess it's just like, especially like with um the DJ and stuff. Like I'm out late anyways and stuff. I'm around other people all the time. Like I have army gear like that costs a lot of money on taking care of as well so like it's not this is my first time taking responsibility of stuff um so i kind of have like re- uh, responsibility of um a lot of other things outside which also helps that have that experience so stuff like that yeah and like a lot of the response team would come in and they, they, they'd worked with um different organizations before and that's why they'd be on the response team because they've had that experience. But obviously, someone, if someone comes in and wants to go on response team, we can't just stick them onto response team because there's a huge responsibility for response team. Like, so we'll start them off and street team for a couple of weeks and then see how they go. So they, they, they hand out food and clothes and essential items. Like, uh, sometimes, uh, it gets that bad with donations that we can't have street team because we've nothing to hand out. So it just has to be the response team, but they, they'll hand out, uh, tea, coffee, stuff like that. But obviously it's still hard on, on, um, on, uh, the street team because sometimes they're handing out food to kids. So it's very hard for them. Like when they go home and they say to their mother or father, like I'm not even handing out food to, to like people like that, my, my brothers and sisters age. Like, so it is, it is hard on street team as well. I think it helps them as well at the same time though, that like, especially like, um, my age and stuff coming out, they look at that and they're like, they don't want to end up in that situation. So like, if they have any like doubts, like say in, in school and stuff, they're like, oh, I don't really like school or anything. You know, like it gives them the extra motivation in school and stuff and, um, to work on a marks, you know, sometimes like they end up like that, like some of the homeless that, uh, we're saying and stuff have dropped out of school and stuff and gone to work, but then, like especially younger like around 20 or whatever and then the COVID kicked in and because they're younger they don't have enough like a lot of experience compared to other people in the job they get let off and then they have no money and then that's what the, the, your team is seeing so for them it's yeah. like a motivation that they don't want to find yeah. themselves in a situation that they could land on the streets yeah yeah it opens their eyes more to like more like what's going on in the world outside of it so just they learn more about um how like it's how easy it is to fall into that. Like some of the stories we hear, it's just like, it's not like they've come from a rough background or anything. They literally just few by mistakes and fell into it then. 
As in, like, when they fall into a, a gang, like a bad yeah, gang yeah, yeah. as well. Like, yeah, you know. like, fall into trouble and stuff like that. And then, um, they just not trying to get enough for work and stuff like that. And they're just falling out of a job then. And it's hard to get another job because of, of, like, what we're in now, the pandemic and stuff. And that's how a lot of people end up on the streets recently and stuff like that. And kids, they're talking to kids. That must be mad. Like, do you know what I mean? That must be very hard. But come here, tell me this. So if you, ever, if you meet a girl or a boy, like, how do you explain to them, well, this is this is what I do? They're kind of just not. Like, it's just, it's like a job, really. Like, you know, and it's mm. just... Um, obviously there'd be problems there when you're like obviously when you're every day yeah <laughs> like what we we were in obviously there'd be problems there no there, I wouldn't say there'd be problems there for a normal volunteer but obviously me Aaron and then like the other kind of management of Dublin Homes Awareness like it's not just we go in on a Monday and Friday but for me and Aaron it could be like last week we were out Monday to Sunday but, yeah no we had was one, it one day off Thursday one day off Thursday we had a day off after the park watch but yeah. we were in every day like we, we like sometimes we just be like oh there's nothing else to do we just go in that's what happened yesterday you got off work I was sitting in my house I was like there's nothing to do we might as well go in end up staying out to one o'clock or something and I ended up being a busy night so yeah end up being packed um, and but, do you work full time uh, I used to work in Super Value, but uh, yeah. they just got let me go. So I'm looking for a new job at the moment now. So <laughs> you'd be hired tomorrow, Jesus Christ, with all of that that you're doing. Yeah. So it's, but it is. Yeah. Obviously, it would have an impact on on friendships and relationships. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you're managing, because you're obviously you're you're putting a huge amount of your time into it. Like you know, um, it wouldn't be like uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't be like that you'd lose relationship or friendship over because obviously you can walk around it but obviously there is a huge amount of time put in and obviously it can impact your mental health sometimes obviously seeing people and then you're kind of uh wor- like worrying like when i first started out i felt very guilty going home like to bed and then there's someone out so that's why you try your best to kind of to book someone in like um like we're going to try our best to book that for in now tonight at our meeting because he's an elderly gentleman so we're going to try to get him booked in because uh, he's just not safe where he is he's in the middle of Tampa Bar so you know I I know that I couldn't do what you do I couldn't <laughs> because I don't know if you try yeah I know and I know that but I would just be that person that would be constantly saying to you is, no but how can we leave him like how can we leave them like it yeah, you'd want to stay out all night. They just make sure they're already. Like, yeah. We had an instant um, with a volunteer um, the other night. I'm not going to name names now, <laughs> but he got very angry because basically um, we were at the GPO and uh, a fella banged his head and he started gushing blood. Basically, we done everything we could for him. Dublin Fire Brigade came out, put him in the ambulance. He wouldn't put his mask on in the ambulance, so Dublin Fire Brigade were like, "Right, we're not bringing it." So they, they trucked him out of the ambulance and we said, right, we'll book him into a hostel and he refused the hostel. So kind of volunteers kind of said, well, look, why you, we, we have to leave him. But sometimes you have to leave people because if they don't want to help, you can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped. You know, and I think, um, never volunteers don't realize it. Remember, um, the one for we ever sense before the way it goes is it's yourself. Your, um, was your, yourself, it's yourself. Uh, you look after yourself first, your teammate second, and then the service you are last. Yeah. So if you're looking after yourself, like and everyone's looking after the self then it's you're working in a safe environment you know like um, especially with like what's going on now like you have to protect yourself first before like anything um, else with response team after uh, we got a serious assault a couple of months ago and one of the volunteers where he nearly got his eye taken out with a, a knife a blade so um 
after that kind of there was a, a thing put in place with the new radios came in and then um, a, t- a procedure came in with the guards how we can work with the guards uh, to keep safe and more went on each team then more went there. on each team so there's yeah. three or four members in each team now um, so if something did kick off we could kind of control that you know And but we, we, we've had stuff kick off before and uh, kind of another homeless person would come over and say oh they walked me into a hostel leave them alone you know so you would like you do you're, you're safe enough in there like you're you're safe mm-hmm. enough but it's good that like the relationship we have with some like the homeless people like that they would come up and say hi whatever like we anyone we walk past that we know rough uh sleep rough on the streets will say hello like when you're walking past and stuff even when i'm not in my vest or anything when i'm on through town when stuff is open and stuff um they just say hi and stuff like so it's just well i'd always say to volunteers new volunteers come in it's important that no, you have a relationship with them, but you're not your, not your yeah, best yeah, friend. Yeah, you know, yeah, you have yeah. to go home at the end of the day. Like, you know, just don't build up too much of a relationship because you can get very attached easily. Like, and you want to help them more, you know, and stuff like that. Like I've, I've had times where I've went home and brought in like pillows and stuff, you know, because went back in on the bus. Like, so you just, you, you can't do it. You have to work the, the hours that that's there, like from from seven to 11 and that's all like and then you just cut off you go home forget about everything you know except us last night and just stayed out for, stayed out while, for a while but it depends if it's busy like even that time that the person was jumping into livery we ended up out till half two half two or something just, it's just what happens like if there's something there say something kicks so about two minutes to 11 you're staying there yeah. simple as like you're staying there simple as like you know so what time do you head into town where's your first port of call so basically um, we store the stuff in, on the south side so we meet the response team would meet on the south side they'd eat meet earlier so they'd because uh, they have to do equipment checks and stuff so the, the response team would meet earlier and then for that hour then um, they'd be doing equipment checks and different kinds of training like we have to do training as in how to take PPE off because obviously um, as you've seen on telly like uh, in the hospitals are wearing full PPE and if we have a suspected COVID case we'd have to wear that we carry that equipment so we'd have to check all that and training we do basic training training and then we're, if we have any free time then we kind of do uh, team building things like um because the volunteers obviously have to kind of relax and be able to work with each other when they're they're, they're not dealing with situations like um during the summer we've had uh, football matches between volunteers and stuff like that just to kind of get them kind of close and get them working with each other like um i know we brought in um six new volunteers the last two weeks so um kind of it is hard like if you like if, when a new volunteer comes in and everyone knows each other and then they don't know each other you know it's kind of hard for them but we we kind of make try to make them feel comfortable when they come in so obviously especially being so young you know i think what helps as well like some um some of the volunteers have known each other from before and kind of came in together or came in because they're in there and stuff like that so that helps as well grow because it's the less person that you have to build a relationship with like in one day, uh, I used to hang around with one of the people that's in there. I've worked in um, events and stuff with another person in there, which just helped me integrate into the group. Like, she'll be tough now that you mention her. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> Before we go on to how people can help, I just want to ask just the two of you, um, just your personal story about you growing up in Donegal and what that was like for you. Um. Kind of growing up, um, I live with my nanny and granddad. Um, my, my mother moved out four years ago and she was sofa surfing, so it was kind of um, the same kind of uh, addiction issues um, into crime and stuff. So, um, kind of, uh, my nanny and granddad kind of didn't have, we couldn't have that, like living with that um, when she wasn't stable. So, she's stable now and uh, she has accommodation for the moment. Um, 
don't think that's going to last though for the next while, you know, so she's going to have to get something into place. Um, but obviously the same issue there, like she wouldn't let us help. Um, we can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped, even though they're your mother, brother, sister, you know, if they can't, they don't want to be helped, you can't help them. Um, but obviously she's came, came out of, um, she's had opportunities now where she had a drug overdose uh, two years ago um, and she'd had opportunities to, to get a house from, from the hospital like coming out of the hospital because the hospital can't release you unless you have somewhere to stay and we said to the hospital like she was not coming into ours if she's sick or not like we we can't take her back like and um, she had opportunities she didn't take the opportunities so we, we couldn't really do anything obviously she's going somewhere now she's on the housing list she's uh, very close to getting a house soon um, then obviously the, the opportunity there, um, cause she's, she's kind of recovering, uh, would be for me to move in with her, hopefully. And then, oh, when, hopefully when the lockdown ends. And do you want to do that? Um, it's something I'd have to think about, you know, um, mm. well, cause it's been very difficult over the last couple of years. And, but if obviously me and Nanny Grand have said it, if anything ever changes, I can come back, like, so, mm. um, but uh, the way the organization is going is, like I, I do want to go off to college to be a paramedic. So, um, obviously there's a huge, there's a huge amount of time being put into the organization at the moment. And um, there's a, there's a level five lockdown. So we have loads of time, but, um, expanding the organization would be to, uh, we're looking to get a minibus. So cause we've uh, experienced the minibus before we can, we can get to different locations quicker. Uh, so we're looking to sort a minibus. So we're working with two companies at the moment that are going to try help us. Um, but expanding the organization wise would I'd want to kind of get trustees uh, to come in and kind of that's someone that I could trust to run the organization because obviously I can't go on during college uh, to run the organization. So I kind of, I'm happy, happy the way it's going now. Um, but I wouldn't uh, like to expand anymore. You know, I'd like to expand, obviously, to highlight the issue and get young people involved. But um, obviously, expanding the, the organization at the moment wouldn't be something that I'd be looking to do. Well, you've you committed 26 volunteers already and what you're doing right now is huge for you. And tell me with the bus, just on the bus point. So with something like that, because you said you don't take, you know, cash donations. So how then do you get like... Um, to, to, you'd have to get a company to sponsor you. Um, like the, the radios are sponsored us at the moment. And um, because of the lockdown, we have a GoFundMe set up. So, um, yeah. that'd be basically for bandages and stuff like that for the response team. Like the, the last time we needed funding for the response team, um, they all went out and bought their own equipment, you know, so, um, that's, that's nuts. Like that's just. A lot of people say that they're like, oh, the stuff you do and you just don't get a lot. Like everyone's surprised about it, but. And obviously the stuff that we use, if you like, obviously when you look in the shops now, like, like baby wipes and masks and all the prices of them have gone up like so much. So the stuff that we need, the prices are gone up. So like to fill, I don't know if you've seen on the page, not the vest we wear, like it's 200 euro to fill that vest, you know, and we can't, we can't go out one night with one piece of equipment because if you go out that night and you need that piece of equipment then you're kind of, you're kind of screwed, you know, so we want the vest full at all times, but we've kind of sorted that a lot of hospitals have helped us a lot of nurses have got in contact and helped us so we're looking basically for fear at the moment and um, what else i'll be looking at to expand is the minibus and um i'm looking for some sort of storage unit in the dublin one area um because basically my fun sitting room is basically like a warehouse at the moment yeah, mine would be like a charity shop sometimes oh, really? yeah, yeah. so like my just be like there's delivery coming every day for you so um <laughs> and your nanny and granddad ever be like brandon enough They've told people that like people have dropped stuff to the door and they've thrown them away sometimes. So it's been like, 
they're still they're still food in my car that my ma got over our food bank a few days ago. She's like, it's someone collect coming to collect them. We're like, I'll oh, do it eventually. Like, yeah. I'll get it in. Like, but so it's just hard with no one really driving or anything. So it is kind of hard to manage your uh, your normal life and your kind of homeless life. You know, it's it's hard to manage, but we kind of get through it, and that's what kind of gives you the motivation when you do see people recovering or doing well. Like, you know, so yeah, it's a like it's a um. Normally, you would like to see a person a lot, but with what we do, seeing a person like a lot less is better because you know they're off doing something else and are walking around the streets or anything. So it's good in that way. Like we're saying that uh, some people have got off the streets. Like so, then Aaron, um, tell me about yourself. You said there earlier on about the DJing. So yeah. what's that about? Tell me. Um, yeah, I started DJing two years ago. Um, and oh yeah, I built up a platform. I have six point five k on Instagram and eight point five k subscribers on Snapchat and stuff, and just built up like a name for myself, contacts and stuff like that. So I'm getting there, big enough around Dublin and stuff, and over in England now. Um, hopefully to playing abroad still and stuff. But um, I've used my platform to obviously um raise awareness about the homelessness around Dublin and stuff and um, i done a live stream for the organisation I was with before and uh, hopefully we're getting the, able to use some of that money for this organisation as well and um, we have to sort that out soon um, so I raised 2.5 grand for that we're just doing getting like radio DJs like uh, Marty Guilfoyle, Dave Tracy stuff like that and then DJs around Dublin that a lot of people would know would listen to their music and stuff. So got them to do live streams and stuff, raise the money off a of GoFundMe. Me school raised money for it and stuff like that. So there's a lot of backing behind it. But um, I think um, when we met Brandon Forrest, we both had like the same idea, wasn't it? There's always a thing about this. Um, he's like, oh, you took my idea. And I'll just be a, just be a banter about it like, and stuff, but about um, doing a festival for it. Because yeah. like, um, I have uh, like contacts and stuff like um we can get a stage and the sponsor and stuff like that that I have sorted already for when the time comes and then obviously have the contacts for the DJ and stuff but hopefully get that going and like have a music festival for uh not just it wouldn't probably wouldn't be just for an organization to be raising awareness for all like homelessness mm-hmm. around Dublin and stuff like that and even if we get to that big abroad like out the countries and stuff like that. And come here, how did you start a DJ just in the house? Um Four years ago, I got knocked over by a car. This is a story. I do. I do go live on Instagram. So I didn't even hear this. Here's this. Here's a story. Everyone always asks me about. It. I got knocked over by a car, and um, it was bad enough. Like, and um, I ended up being stuck in bed for a while. Um, What's a while? Oh, it was like four months or something. A while. Like, like I couldn't really like. Me, me ankle and stuff. I couldn't really do a lot. Like, I could get out and stuff, but I was in like had to rest up most of the time and um i just got dj on my laptop and stuff like that and um i kind of stopped then because when you're younger you're people like oh you're dj and you're shit and all this and that and obviously when you're younger you're like oh yeah they're probably right jamie yeah, so i stopped then and then i was at a underage event like as you do when you're younger you go to them and stuff like that <laughs> um i end up uh, going up in the dj box and then the next week I was up there DJing. <laughs> so the pair they like, I uh, got talking to like, the DJ and stuff up there. I was talking to them on Instagram. Then they're like, I'll come up and try to get back into it and stuff. So I ended up being up there in them um, in 
Eva up in the red cow down another under edge event. And then um two months later I got my four escape by myself from there and then I end up uh, just going from there down parties and stuff like that. Because I started to produce then um yeah you know, music and stuff and uh, I only put out a song there last week and it's on uh, near enough five K in a couple of days, so Jeez. it's going well and then I'm looking to get a few songs like signed by record labels, I've been talking to record labels and stuff like that. And what's the name of the song? Oh, it's called Come Back, Get Back. It's on my SoundCloud, but um, I wouldn't get tr- working towards more commercial songs like to get on the radio and stuff like that to get signed and hopefully expand my name out because like, a few uh, record labels from England stuff have been emailing me about them and stuff, so hopefully I can um, expand over. Like, And then taking it back to Dublin Homeless Awareness, is there any point that you wanted to give up? Um, no, to, no, 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 to be honest, but like, that's what I'd rather like be in helping out someone than just either sitting in my house doing nothing or being out just walking the streets and stuff because it, it's cold, like it's cold out walking the streets, but if you're in doing something, your mind's off the cold and so you know you're helping someone, so there's actually a purpose behind it, that's what I like to do when I'm doing something, there's a purpose behind it, not just waste my time for what it is. So especially like with um like people coming in to the group that's like in school and stuff, it's great on their C V, like the stuff they do, which it goes towards that. So um yeah, that's why a lot of uh, young people are coming into it and then they like it because they get to see, as I said earlier, like more into what the world's like, not just there in their house and their area and stuff like that. And Brandon, you have you ever talked with your responsibility? More than 20 times I say about giving up. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, there's going to be bumps in the roads and um, obviously I've had to have the team there to kind of get me out them bumps in the roads where I've said, no, maybe we will give up. For half the time, you want to leave me just annoying you. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, because you would like, there is, um, there is a lot of calf fighting between different organizations. Like, you know, when, like you're doing this wrong and you're doing this and you're too, like, I don't know how many times I've, said, I've got... Yeah, they're all too young. They have no experience in what they're doing. And I think that's just the way the world goes. Like, and I'd imagine you are getting stick off people saying, what are you doing, Brandon? They're kids. Yeah. You're a kid. Like even, even sometimes off the guards, even we've, we've got, we've got stuff like that. You're too young and stuff like that. And, but that hasn't really stopped us, you know, and we, we don't really get it. We're, we're kind of homeless people. Like they kind of, they did appreciate whoever helps them. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, you're, you're, uh, you're 16. Yeah, they're surprised, but they think it's me. That's yeah. the same But even you say, like, you had to say about the, some of the guards, like, they're like, oh, yeah, um, they look, are you, are you young and all, like, what you're doing? So other guards are like, like, amazed at, like, what we're doing so much, even like the, some of the Dublin Fire Brigade and all the paramedics were like, that's amazing, like, what you're doing. Even the last day when we helped that fella, they're like, well done, lads, like, that was amazing, you get me? So, I think it's just, it depends on the person and I think it depends what they grew up with and where they come from and stuff. I think it's just the different thoughts behind the different uh, backgrounds. Very true. Mm -hmm. And then Brandon, would you ever, like, yeah, obviously you want want to go on to be a paramedic and you're going to, would you want to continue with what you're doing now? Or uh, you're going to have to say to yourself at some point, I'm going to have to leave this or are you going to always be involved in it? (laughs) So... I wouldn't say it'd be a phase that I've gone through where if I'll just do it. Like I, I think I'll always be there, um, but it might not be as big or if it was as big, 
and um, I kind of would have to take a step back from it and to kind of be trustees in place that would keep the organisation going. Like, so why would you build up over two years and then let it go? You know, so it's just kind of a uh, would take it over <laughs> just for his name. <laughs> yeah, you give over, would you? <laughs> so, uh, so you are that's the plan. College paramedic and then yeah to take get a trustee to come in and but what is that going to be like for you you, I, you you're trying to hand that over to someone else it's, probably, it's like you're a baby like you know it's like a child i can't even let go of that radio it's never mind the organization like so <laughs> in uh, the house for a while crying in the bed won't be able to let go like if I, like if it's if i know the organization's going to go well you know like and because obviously the team hopefully the team that we have at the moment will be the team for like that's that's that team like they're always going to be there I don't think you'd ever let like all of it go there, you would all still have gone. some part in it so yeah yeah and then again um, how can people help so I know we've talked so it is is the main thing is food so for food at the moment uh, donations of food um, a, a storage somewhere to store them in the city centre and um, because we've had no storage and all the volunteers are kind of it's all kind of a mess every night kind of getting stuff in so yeah, my room just looks like a bomb's head to be honest with you like with all the stuff in it <laughs> so it's crazy isn't it say what yeah we have a lot of people from inner city uh, listeners of quite a lot um so there has to but it's more of a business that you need isn't it yeah it's, it's hard to get somewhere to store stuff in town especially because all the businesses kind of have them yeah all the clothes, close up, it'd be more of a business that you'd need than yeah. rather than a thing. Um, like, I, I, I remember I rang a company, a storage company, and um, I said, Yeah, this is what I'm doing. And I think I was talking the phone, on the phone half an hour of what I was doing. And like, obviously, expecting like a sponsorship, and he turned and goes, oh, yeah, That'd be a uh, 300 euro a month, <laughs> you know. And after me talking for like 20, so that's you will, like, even we haven't done it obviously because of COVID, but even when you're door knocking and looking for donations, like, you'll get people like obviously throwing it away and all, but you have to kind of just let that happen. Like, people are always going to throw it away and let you down. Like, you can't just, like, even we're meant to click through tonight now, and that's not happening. So, and tell me this what you said there, um, that people let you down. And um, like, is that like gut wrenching for you when that happens? Not really, because it always makes sure there was kind of a backup there. Mm. Um, thing the thing that would annoy me is people obviously on social media saying, "Look what I'm doing! Look, here's a video of me uh, handing a sandwich to a homeless person." You know, and uh, we never take photos of any any kind of service users. There's a code of conduct in place, so every volunteer would have to sign a code of conduct of um, how how they're going to behave. So. Um, like we wouldn't take any pictures we take pictures of the work we do and the conditions of people are living in but we'd never take pictures of service users or with service users like that's just um, because of the amount of followers we have like how do we know if their families are going to see oh there's Michael you know mm. he must be in a bad way because he's with the super one you know so terrible and we're under pressure for time because you're trying to get into you're going to head we'll just have to send a message in the group to say we won't be there till like seven we do Um, so I will let you go so the Instagram page tell me what it is it's Dublin underscore homeless underscore awareness and Facebook is the same Facebook is the same and all the contact details are there yeah yeah brilliant Brandon, thanks so much for sitting down with me and same to you, Aaron. Thanks and very much. I wish you nothing but the best. And when you're a famous DJ, you see me, <laughs> well, 40, forget you. 45-year-old <laughs> self, in five years' time where we're allowed out screaming at you for a song. You won't forget about me. No, VIP tickets everywhere, sorry. <laughs> but Brandon, honestly, like your story from where it was and where you are today, it's just fantastic. And I wish you nothing but the best luck. 
Thanks, lads. Thanks, Thanks very much.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.